0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Michael Gormley, but you know that. What you may not know, however, is something that has come up recently that we need to clarify. See, week after week in our beautiful relic reveal, we tell you about the amazing saints of whose relics we are going to have on display at the new Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. And we're all very excited. That's why we're doing these videos one-ish at a time. But, the number one comment I have from people that I did not anticipate was, there's no chapel. Where are the relics being kept? Okay, so here's the deal. Before the chapel is built, we don't have the relics. Now we have a handful of relics that have always been here at St. Anthony's. You can see them in our adoration chapel and whatnot. And we are going to get those recertified and all the stuff from the Vatican through Father Carlos but we don't currently have possession of the relics. And it's kind of funny because I have consistently forgotten to mention that in every one of these episodes. And someone said, I'm so excited. Where are you guys keeping these? I'm like, we, we don't have them. Like, they're at the Vatican or something? I don't know. <laughs> so let me just clarify. In our pilgrimage to the relic reveal, to the chapel and all that good stuff, we don't actually have all 21 of the new relics yet. But we're getting them. We have it. <laughs> it's in writing that we are getting these relics. And we are super excited about it. So excited that we forgot to tell you that we don't currently have them right now. But that's beside the point. Let's go to our relic reveal video. Today I'm excited. Last week I made a bold proclamation. I said, coming up next, we are gonna top Pope John Paul II. Do you remember me saying that, Jay? We're actually going to top this. I don't know how you top this, but we're going to top this. I definitely said that. And Diane, uh, she wrote to me and she said, Michael, how can we possibly top JP2? This is how you top JP2 with not one relic reveal, but two relic reveals. And these relics are apostles. That's right. Saint Simon and Saint Jude. We are revealing the fact that we have the ancients, Simon and Jude, two of the most reverenced and invoked apostles in the church, especially St. Jude. We are having their relics here at Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. I'm going to talk a little bit about St. Simon, a little bit about St. Jude, and then we're going to bring them all together and it's going to be miraculous. For our first saint, we're going to talk about Saint Simon and why he was such an important figure in order to understand who Jesus Christ was and what Jesus Christ accomplished. Now, little is known about Saint Simon, but here is the most interesting thing. His name, or at least a, a thing affixed to his name, has been a subject of controversy. If you look in, I think it's Mark's gospel, it calls him a Canaanite. If you look at Matthew's gospel, it says that he's a zealot. What does this mean? Well, the Hebrew word for zealot is very similar to the word for Canaanite. Now, what is a zealot? Well, if you take the big step back from Judaism as a whole, You look in the book of Exodus when they had the whole golden calf incident and Moses comes down, he sees everyone worshiping the golden calf. He says, who's on the side of the Lord? And the Levites all join Moses and he said to them, because you're zealous for the law of the Lord, take up a sword every one of you and mow all these other people down. You end up seeing this kind of pattern of a zealot being someone who was so fervent for the traditions of the fathers or fervent for the faith of Yahweh that they actually go into acts of physical violence against those who would transgress the laws of God. So this notion of zealot was this notion of, we are here for the political and religious liberation of the people of Israel. Now in the first century, as you well know, the Roman empire had conquered the whole area it was under the province of Syria, a governor named Pontius Pilate, all of these different things where the Roman system of oppression and management and control was present over Israel. And there was a huge amount of, of, of fervent devotion to up uh, upend this Roman rule. Well, there was a party called the Pharisees. They were trying to hasten the coming of the Messiah through a strict obedience to the Jewish uh, purity laws and purity code. right? They were ratcheting up what the laity were required to do by being holier and holier and holier. And then from them was this breakaway group that said, just us being holy is not enough. They called themselves the zealots because they said, we got to take it one step further if we're awaiting a Messiah to come, we need to start taking actions to purify our land of this infidel Roman, you know, pagan influence, right? And so what they began doing was they would carry daggers under their cloaks and they would kill Romans who got too close to Judaism and Jews who got too close to the Romans. Now, just imagine this. You have a convert from this zealot party who is now following Jesus as a disciple, not just a disciple, but an apostle, one of the 12. Now, why does this matter for us? Well, St. Simon, and would go out to become an apostle. Many people think he moved into Egypt and began preaching the gospel there and then traveled up into Mesopotamia and then met up with his homeboy, St. Jude in Armenia, where they were both martyred, right? So not a ton is known about St. Simon. He's not Simon Peter, he's the other Simon, right? And he's often given that, that distinguishing mark of Simon the Zealot. Well, now you know a little bit more of the backstory of being a zealot at that time. You were fervent for a political, earthly, military messiah to overthrow the Romans. How fascinating that Simon helped to overthrow the power of the Roman Empire not through violence, not through a dagger, not through the sword, but through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about everyone's favorite saint, Saint Jude, the patron of hopeless causes, lost causes, helpless folks. Saint Jude is one of the most popular saints in the church, right? There are shrines in numerous countries. The city of Chicago has him as their patron. That's for you, Jerry. Um, he is also the patron of Armenia where he was martyred, right? All of these things that have come about because St. Jude is known as he who cares for the lost or those with, uh, considered to be hopeless causes. This is the letter of St. Jude attributed to the same apostle, Jude Thaddeus. He's not to be confused with the other Jude, also known as Judas Iscariot, but this is it right here. This is it. This is this little guy. Just one chapter, 25 verses. Not that uh, not that meaty, not that beefy, still important. why? Because it was a letter written to all the churches, but a particular church that was being persecuted and was dealing with false teachers and whatnot. And so the power of what Saint Jude is doing in these hopeless or lost cases is encouraging them to do something that this world cannot offer and what that is simply is hope founded in Christ, right? When you hope, we are wishing for a difficult thing to come about, something that we want to happen that's difficult, so we can't just go and make it happen easily. Something that's gonna happen in the future that we really, really desire. It's different than a wish because I have an expectation that, yeah, it can actually be fulfilled, but something becomes hopeless when I know that it can't be fulfilled, when it is Uh, literally impossible. And this is where we bring in the heavenly realm. St. Judas is known as the patron of lost or hopeless causes because Christian hope starts where human hope ends. When people say, you know, I don't want to tell you it's over, but it seems like it's over. That's what grounds truly Christian hope because our confidence is not in our ability to make it happen. Our confidence, our expectation is rooted in Christ Jesus. Christian hope is so important to live the Christian life. This is why an American TV star named Danny Thomas would eventually found the St. Jude Children's Hospital, because so many parents feel hopeless holding their beautiful children who are suffering from leukemia and other forms of childhood cancers, that they don't know where to go, and especially when these treatments are so expensive. St. Jude Children's Hospital does not charge A penny for the medical care, the world-class medical care and research that they offer. And I say this because I have friends who have children. Right now, they're living right next door to the St. Jude Children's Hospital. Now, why is St. Jude such an important figure? Well, one, he was an apostle. Two, he's got a book in the Bible, baby. 25 verses still counts. Now, another note, he's often, and by often, I mean, especially in John 14, where he actually has a speaking line, he's often called not the Iscariot. We don't want to confuse Judas. The Iscariot, the one who betrays Jesus with Jude the Apostle. Now, their names are probably both Judas, right? The One of the most popular names in the first century in Israel at that time, named after the tribe of Judah, where we get the word Jew, right? So here is Judah or Jude or Judas, however you want to say it, not the Iscariot. He only has one line, and this one line, when he says it, he's literally called in John 14, not the Iscariot. And it's about the resurrection of Jesus. He says, and I quote, because I have it right here, and Jay's my best friend, and he told me what verse it was. Chapter 14, verse 22, Judas, not the Iscariot, said to him, Master, then what happened that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And he's speaking about after the public crucifixion, there would be the resurrection from the dead, which was not a public event. It wasn't for all eyes. It was for those of faith. Jesus revealed himself to his apostles. Now, there are so many things that we could say about St. Jude. He eventually would preach the gospel, known most importantly in Mesopotamia, and then he would join his homeboy, um, St. Simon, in Armenia, where he was eventually killed. He is often depicted with an axe or another implement like that, like a blunt instrument, like a club, because that is the manner in which we believe he was killed. Uh, there are famous stories of Jude. He'll hold an image of Jesus in his hands. If you see a statue of him, uh, of the face of Jesus, because apparently there's this legend that the king heard of Jesus, wrote a letter to Jesus, and Jesus, so surprised at this pagan king's faith up in modern-day Turkey and Edessa, sends Jude up with an image of his face and a letter to take right to him. So you gotta see some of these images that are woven throughout their lives. But Jude's most important Feature for us is a message of hope that he gives. To those encountering profound suffering persecution and trial you and i need to rally around this as our catholic faith becomes increasingly persona non grata here in our culture and our world the gospel is always countercultural, but sometimes more than others so brothers and sisters let's wrap up this relic reveal video reminding ourselves that like the apostles guys we're getting apostles in the relics this is awesome stay tuned more to come but As we get these apostles to reverence their memory, may we always remember to leave behind every burden and sin that clings to us so that we can follow Jesus Christ, the leader and perfecter of our faith. All right, brothers and sisters, this has been yet another Relic Reveal. God bless you. We'll see you next time on our pilgrimage to the Our Lady of the Angels Chapel.